congregation, this afternoon I may preach to you the word of God as we read it in the Gospel of John. And our focus will be in chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. And let us read those words again. On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And so far our text. And after the proclamation of God's word, let us respond in song. Let us sing from Psalm 48, the stanzas 3 and 4. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Every Sunday, as we gather in worship as church, we remember the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. For yes, it was on the first day of the week that the Prince of Peace arose from the dead. It's what an awesome victory of life over death. Yes, we have good reason to celebrate Every Lord's Day. For yes, we as church benefit from his resurrection. We share in his resurrection. Yes, as the Apostle Peter wrote in his first letter, Yes, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Yes, note well, God has given us new birth. He has given us life. He has given us the Spirit through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so we may say, Easter is the birthday of the church, of a church of which we are all members. As if Jesus Christ had not been raised from the dead, we would be still dead in our sins. There would be no church, there would be no preaching, there would be no peace, there would be no forgiveness of sins. We would not be under blessing, but we would be under curse. And so yes, Jesus Christ's resurrection on Easter Sunday is the spiritual birthday of the church. And we will pay attention to this this afternoon in our text from the Gospel of John. And so God's word then comes to you this afternoon, summarized under this theme, resurrected to life, the Lord Jesus comes to his disciples in blessing so that there might be a newborn church. And we'll pay attention to three things. First, the foundation of the church. Second, the life of the church. And third, the message of the church. I repeat, resurrected to life, the Lord Jesus comes to his disciples in blessing so that there might be a newborn church. We'll pay attention first to the foundation, then to the life, and then lastly to the message of the church. 
As brothers and sisters, the events of Easter Sunday morning were truly amazing. As it was Mary Magdalene and the other women who were first going to Jesus' tomb. They went on that Sunday morning. And as they came near to the tomb, they saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. And this startling sight sent Mary Magdalene back, back into the city, back to Peter and the other disciple, which was John, with this message. They have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they put him. And yes, this brought Peter and John to Jesus' tomb too. And we're told what these two disciples saw. They saw strips of linen which had been wrapped around Jesus' dead body lying there. They also saw the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head folded up by itself separate from the linens. And having seen this then, then yes, the disciples went back to their homes, but not Mary Magdalene. She lingered at the tomb of Jesus, and while still there and crying, she took a look in the tomb and saw two angels seated inside, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And while talking with these angels, she then turned around and she, she saw Jesus standing there. As there before her stood the risen Lord. At first she didn't recognize him. Then she did. Yes, once Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned to him and she cried out, Rabboni, that is teacher. Yes, and then she wanted to hold on to Jesus. And not let him ever go. But Jesus then said to Mary, Don't hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to my father. Go instead to my brothers and and tell them I am returning to my father and your father, to my God and your God. In this way, the Lord Jesus corrected any possible misunderstanding on Mary's part. He makes it very clear here that their lives would not return to what they were before. Jesus Christ would not continue with this earthly ministry as before. The road he had yet to go would not be the one going backwards, but be one going forwards. As having risen from the dead, he would in short order leave the disciples. He would indeed return to, to their God and his God, to their father and his father. Yes, he would ascend. The Lord our Father in heaven. As already before he died and rose again, he had said that he would do this. That's what you can read in in John 16. There he said, now I am leaving the world and I'm going back to the Father. And now, yes, he would do that after his resurrection. And what would he do with his Father there in heaven? Well, the Father would have him continue to work from heaven. Yes, from up there in heaven, he would continue to work here on earth. Yes, from up there in heaven, he would pour out his gifts and treasures on on God's children. Yes, as the eternal natural son of his father, he would provide his brothers and sisters in, in the faith. Yes, he would provide for them. He would from heaven continue his ministry of his word and spirit. He would from there continue to gather, defend, and preserve his church. But with whom would he begin? 
Well, beloved, we witness on Easter Sunday the beginning, the birth of, of Christ's church. You know, just how would the Lord Jesus Christ do this while using his disciples? Yes, they would be the foundation of this church. And that is why we read in our text of this afternoon, on the evening of the first day of the week, that is, on the evening of Easter Sunday, when the disciples were together and with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. As by the time Easter Sunday evening had rolled around, the disciples were together again. Yeah, ten disciples were together. Two were absent. Thomas was absent. We don't know why. And Judas was absent. He was dead. And the doors of the house where they were, those doors, they were locked. And for good reason. For as we can read in our text, for fear of the Jews. As the disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ feared the Jews. And they wouldn't be the only ones who had feared the Jews. The Jews being then the leaders of Israel. For it was the Jews who had opposed Jesus right from the very start of his ministry. Already when Jesus went from Galilee to Jerusalem, then then the people did not dare to speak openly about him. For, as we can read in this gospel, for fear of the Jews. And the same happened with the parents of that blind man. Yes, Jesus has healed this man, as you can read in this gospel. But yet his parents did not dare speak about Jesus Christ for fear of the Jews. Yes, the Jewish leaders had agreed among themselves that if anyone confessed Jesus to be the Christ, the Messiah, he may be put out of the synagogue. And the situation was the same right after Jesus died. Remember Joseph of Arimathea? He asked Pilate if he may take away the body of of Jesus. This Joseph was a disciple of, of Jesus. And as we can read in this gospel, he was a secret disciple for fear of the Jews. As the Jews had caused the death of our Lord and Savior, they had arrested him, they had cried out, crucify him. And so he was, and so he died. As they got rid of Jesus, the question was, who would be next? The Lord Jesus' disciples? We can see why they gathered together in this house with its doors locked. Why would they not be next to be cut off from the church of Israel? As you could say, the pressure was on them. So they were together behind closed Closed doors, fearful of the future, fearful of persecution, of conflict with the unbelieving Jews in the world around them. Yes, fear. They were gripped with fear. And we too can at times be gripped with fear. Yes, we too have our fears about the future. Fear about ourselves, our children, our grandchildren. Where will we be? We, we wonder at times, where will we be in 20 or 40 years from now? Will we still be here? Living members of Christ's church, wherever it is being gathered. 
Will we in the coming generation remain faithful, committed, living, active members of His church? Members of a living, reformed church? Yes, in time to come, where will we and our our children and grandchildren be? Will we have fallen away? How many will give in? Yes, give in to the common thinking out there today. It's okay not to be a committed member of any church. How many will fall for that thinking that it's okay to shop around when it comes to church? It doesn't matter where you go to church as long as you go somewhere. Yes, how many will buy into that consumer mentality? Let us realize the church will not really thrive. When there's real no commitment. Or will we become too busy with ourselves, with our work, with have a good time watching the screen at home, with going out for shopping, with playing sports, that we don't have time to attend the church the beginning of the week or be active and living members of the, of the church during the rest of the week? Yes, what will become of the church? The church remain faithful. But we see in Canada, we see the opposite happen. Christianity is is declining, they say. And yet, beloved, we need not be fearful. For our Lord Jesus Christ came and stood among his fearful disciples. How he came to stand among them, that was a miracle. The doors were closed. But there he stood. There he stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. And so he proclaims his wonderful blessing to them. Peace be with you. And then you might be wondering why. Why does Jesus greet his disciples in this way? Peace be with you. But then what else do we read? After this, Jesus showed them his hands and his side. His hands, yes, they had nail holes in them. From the nails that were put through and then into the cross. And his side, yes, there was a gash in his side. From out of which blood had poured. As this piercing, this, this gash, we should say, is, came from the sword of that Roman soldier on Good Friday after he had died. Beloved, as Isaiah prophesied so long ago, he was pierced. For our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that has brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. As it is through his suffering and and through his death that Jesus Christ obtained peace for us. Yes, with his wounds, with his punishment, there is healing for us. It says, Jesus said to his disciples before his death and and resurrection, Peace I leave you and peace I give you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Yes, beloved, it is with the piercing of our Savior, with the shedding of his blood, that there is peace between us and God our Father. There is reconciliation between us and our Father above. Yes, reconciliation between us sinners and our most holy Father. Yes, with His His Son's blood, we are one once again. We are in fellowship again. Yes, it is Son who paid for all our sins with His precious blood poured out there on the cross. 
And so we are right with God and we are right with one another. So we can live in fellowship with God and with one another. And so we can call each other brothers and sisters. And so we can live together as church of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, this is why Jesus Christ rose from the dead. It's only by being alive again. Can he give us the wonderful benefits and blessings of his death? Yes, he rose to life to give us great blessing. And so, yes, when Jesus Christ spoke those words of blessing, when he said, peace to you, the New Testament church was officially instituted. This was the church's birthday. And indeed, the church is here today only under the blessing of Jesus Christ. Under that blessing of peace be with you. And we receive that blessing. As he passes it on to us. Every Sunday as church we receive Christ's blessing. Yes, we begin our service under this greeting. Grace to you and peace. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so let us continue under this blessing. For yes, without this blessing there would be no church at all. And so we have this great joy for the disciples when they saw our Lord Jesus Christ on that Easter Sunday. Yes, they could see he had risen. Thanks to Jesus Christ and they had real peace. Peace between between God and them. And so the Lord Jesus Christ would then gather his church, starting with them, but going beyond them. He would gather his church throughout this world. And know well, he starts with them. They are the foundation. And from this foundation, the church would be built up. And a solid foundation was needed. Again, Jesus then said to his disciples, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And those are very telling words. Indeed, the Father had sent the Lord Jesus Christ into this world. And he had now completed the work as he had been sent to do. And then on the basis of his work, Jesus Christ would now send out his disciples. They were now the sent ones. They were the apostles. As that is what the word apostle means. The one sent. And those twelve apostles, as we know, they were sent out. And this is why they had to be witnesses to our, our resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. They had to be witnesses to his preaching, to his teaching, to his suffering, his death and resurrection and ascension. Yes, they had to see all of this, to hear all of this. Yes, they even had to touch our Lord and Savior. Yes, this is the one who died and rose again. It is he that we bring to this world. That is why Jesus Christ appeared to them. On the first day of the week. For it is on their testimony. It is on their witness to his words. And to his works. That the church would be built. Yes they would form the foundation of this church. And that's why it is so important. That the Lord Jesus appear again. And he did. He appeared a week later. He appeared when Thomas was there. 
His Thomas too, he had to be an eye and an ear and a hand witness to our resurrected Lord and Savior. In fact, all the twelve apostles had to be such witnesses. And in this way then here, they are commissioned to go out. To go out into this world. They were first sent there into Jerusalem, and then from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria, and then eventually to the ends of the earth. And beloved, it is on their testimony which they give in this world that the church is gathered and defended and preserved. And so the Lord Jesus Christ continues his work through them. He would have his spirit use Use them, yes, to bring his words, the gospel of salvation, the message of peace, the message of life. And beloved, we still have their testimony. We have the testimony about Jesus Christ. This is the testimony. It's written down. This is the solid foundation for the church. And so we believe one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Because we believe the word. It's on this word that it's built. The word of our Lord Jesus Christ. The word is brought by the apostles. It's built on the solid word. The solid word of truth. And it's from the word that the church then also has life. Real life. And that brings us to our second point. And John continues to write here in his gospel. And with that, the Lord Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. As Jesus Christ could breathe on them. Remember, he was no longer in the tomb. He had shed his linens, which had been wrapped around his dead body. And the cap, which had been on his head, the two was gone. He had risen from the dead. He had life again. He was full of life and breath. As he breathed on them, there was proof for all. Proof of his physical resurrection from the dead. This was no ghost. This was no apparition of any sort. This was the Lord Jesus Christ who only a few days before was dead and had been buried. Now he was alive. And he was here in their presence on on Easter Sunday evening. And now he would also impart this life to them. He would pass on this life to them. He breathed on them. He breathed on them all. And he said to them, receive the Spirit. Let us realize that the word for breath and, and spirit are the same. In other words, when the Lord Jesus breathed on them, he breathed the Spirit on them. And by breathing on them in this way, yes, Jesus Christ gave them the spirit of life. Now, doesn't this remind you of what happened in the very beginning? What happened when the Lord God created Adam? There we read that he formed Adam out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. and, And so man became a living being. Now, here we are on Easter, Easter Sunday evening. And the God of creation is also the God of recreation. And so he breathes on them. He's bringing his people to life again. It's exactly as Ezekiel the prophet prophesied so many years before when when Israel was still in exile in Babylon. At that point in the history of Israel, there seemed to be no hope of life in them. 
And then as we can read in Ezekiel 37, the Lord God led His prophet through a valley of full of dry bones. Yes, them dry bones. And then the Lord asked Ezekiel, can these bones live? And, and then Ezekiel answered, O Lord God, you know. And it happens that as Ezekiel prophesies, as he speaks God's word, there comes flesh, there comes muscles on these bones, there comes skin over these muscles and flesh. And then the Lord says, Ezekiel prophesied to the breath. Say to the breath, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these people that they may live. And as Ezekiel speaks, as he speaks God's word, breath comes into them and they, and they live. They came to life and stood upon their feet and there was a vast army, a great multitude. And then the Lord said to Ezekiel, these bones are the whole house of Israel. And these, these people, they say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We're cut off. We're done for. Yet the Lord God does give his people already hope back then. He promises them to bring them to life. He promises to put his spirit in them. That they may live so that they may be truly living church of our Lord and Savior. And this is what began there on the first day of the week on that Easter Sunday evening. And now you might be wondering why. Why did the... Lord Jesus, give the apostles a spirit at that point. Why not on the day of Pentecost? Why didn't he leave it till then? Well, remember, the apostles, they form the foundation of the church. It's on them that the whole church will be built up, on their testimony, on their word. That is the word of the Spirit. Oh, sure, on the day of Pentecost, the whole church received the Spirit. And so what we have here with, with Easter is a, a sneak preview of better things to come. Sneak preview of Pentecost. For yes, the church, beloved, is the dwelling place of God in the Spirit. It is, as we also read in Scripture, a living body. With each part then being alive, each part doing its work. So we're not to be a bunch of deadbeats. But we're to be a living body of Christ. And each of us are to be living and active members. Yes, fully committed fully committed to our Lord and Savior, fully committed to service of one another. Yes, together as church, we are to be truly alive. Yes, let us be together a church pulsating with life. Yet how does this church stay alive? How do we remain living members of the church? Well, we need to continue to hear the message of the church. The message that Christ then also gave his apostles. And that brings us to our last point. It's the message. What was the message of the apostles, of those who were to be sent out? And what is then also the message of the church today? Now the Lord Jesus puts it here very tightly. He puts it in a nutshell. And he proclaims here, if you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And so our Lord Jesus Christ would have the apostles declare that someone's sins are either forgiven or not forgiven. 
Now on their own, the apostles couldn't make such a declaration, such a proclamation. They only make such a proclamation based on God's words. For really, it's not for the apostles to forgive or retain sins, but it's only for God to do. Now they simply must declare what God tells them. Yes, with authority, then, they, they make this declaration. With authority, they are, you'd say, using the keys of the kingdom, both keys of preaching, of, of discipline. Yes, they come, then, with a, a twofold message here, one of God's forgiveness, but also of God's wrath. And therefore, according to Christ's command, then, they're here to proclaim To publicly testify to each and every believer that God, yes, God has really forgiven all their sins for the sake of of Christ's work. And we need to believe this word, this declaration. And when we believe these words, when we believe in our Lord Jesus Christ, then indeed our sins are forgiven. Yes, we need to believe this promise of our God. And when we believe this, yes, our sins are forgiven and we have peace with God. And we can enjoy life by the Spirit. But there's more here. There's the other part, the last part. Jesus isn't finished. They're also to proclaim and testify to all unbelievers and hypocrites that the wrath of God and eternal condemnation rests on them as long as they don't believe, as long as they don't repent. And in this way, they will experience, yes, death, destruction. Yes, so that is the public proclamation, the preaching. That's what the apostles would go out doing. It's not the only way the message would go out, through public preaching and proclamation. Remember, this is but one key, there is the other. There's another way that the apostles would speak, and that would be through church discipline, Remember, when the church excommunicates someone, it is because he or she refuses to repent and believe, to change his ways and go in the way of faith. And then, too, the church makes a declaration, makes a proclamation. It says, your sins are held against you. You continue your way of unrepentant sin, you stand condemned. And then it also declares when you When you do repent, when you do believe and seek forgiveness, then they are forgiven. Forgiven in the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, beloved, we hear this powerful proclamation. And we too need to respond. Every Sunday we hear this powerful proclamation. We need to respond in in belief and repentance. And when we respond in this way, then we indeed receive forgiveness of all our sins in Jesus' blood. And then we indeed have peace with God. But when we respond in unbelief, when we respond in hardening in our sins, then our sins are held against us. And then God will come in judgment on us, both now and eternally. And so you see that the message that the church is to proclaim is a matter of eternal life and eternal death, a matter of salvation or condemnation. This is the basic message we hear today also in the church. 
This is the message of God's word and spirit. And it is this message which is necessary for the continuation of the church, for the building up of the church here and everywhere. And let us realize that this proclamation of the church always has an effect. As it says here in the text, it's one or the other. The word of the Spirit never returns empty-handed. It always has an effect among us. And it is in this way then that the Lord gathers, defends, and preserves his church. Beloved, let us believe in, in Jesus Christ, resurrected from the dead. And let us enjoy the blessings of, of his death and resurrection. Let us as church enjoy these blessings given here. And let us enjoy them each and every day of our life. Amen.